Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group uh, headed by me. And uh, I'm just proud to say I just uploaded and it passed all the quality tests and all that stuff. So, yeah, Lady Hyde is now on Film Hub. And uh, it's up for sale for the channels. And we'll see which uh, companies decide to pick up the Lady Hyde film for their stations. So we'll see where it goes from here. So happy to report that. Uh, this is uh, episode 107, film 107. And it is Confessiones Intimis. Intimas de una exhibicionista. That's the um, Spanish theatrical title. And it's a uh, English translation is Intimate Confessions of an Exhibitionist. And we are in the still 1981 period. So this is Spain, 1981. And of course we get all information from this out of the book. Flowers of Perversion, Volume 2, by Stephen Thrower. Uh, let's see. The alternative titles on this is uh, Confidencias Intimis de una Exhibicionista. That's uh, the AdMat title in ABC Seville. Production company, of course, is Golden Films. This is the Golden Films period out of Barcelona. Um, theatrical distributor is Lorne Film. S.A. Uh, timeline shooting on this. He shot this in December 81. And these are about the time periods where they're shooting for about a week. And then uh, two weeks of editing and dubbing. So done in about three weeks. And then on to the next film the next month. So yeah, shooting December 1981. Uh, legal number was drawn on March 25th of 82. Played Seville, April 1st, 1983. Played Madrid, June 6th, 1983. Played Barcelona, June 27th, 1983. And finally, Cartagena, February 6th, 1984. Theatrical running time, Spain, 80 minutes long. Um, and let's see. Writer-director. Okay, this is interesting now. So on the cover art, and everything on it. it has Candy Coster as the director, which is, of course, Lena Romaine's acting alias. But in this, writer-director Jess Franco as Candy Coster. So now he's billed as Candy Coster. And Lena Romaine is billed as Candy Coster as well in the acting credits, so there's two Candy Costers. But even though Franco is saying it's Lena that directed it, she didn't. It was, it was him. Uh, director of photography, Jess Franco. And now he's billed as Joan Amaral. So he's billed as Candy Coster and Joan Amaral. So he's billed as two different women. Beautiful. Camera assistant, Angel Ordiales. Um, makeup, Manolita Ponte. Music, Daniel White as Pablo Vila. Um, let's see. Uncredited camera operator, Jess Franco. Production manager, Antonio Mayans. Editor, Jess Franco. Uh, executive producer, Stella Laraga and Emilio Laraga from Golden Films, of course. All right, cast on this. Alina Romay, and she's billed as Candy Coster. And in this film, she plays Candy, a.k.a. Velvet Tongue. Awesome. That's the magic tongue. Velvet Tongue in this. That's beautiful. This is also the first time I read this. It makes me happy. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so Lena Romay as Candy, Velvet Tongue. Beautiful. Uh, Nadine Pascal as billed as Carla Simons. And uh, she plays Pepe, Candy's sister. Uh, let's see. Jose Ferrero plays Pepe's husband, the Argentinian. Antonio Mayans, of course, is Robert Foster. He plays Peter Keynes, Candy's ex-husband. Uh, Lisa Vela, as Jasmine Bell, plays Katie. Uh, Antonio Ribalo, as Tony Skios. Oh, everybody has aliases. Uh, play, he plays Tony. That's so stupid. Uh, 
Katie's husband, and credited Juan Antonio Garcia as Candy's sex show partner. All right, we'll read the synopsis, of course, when we do the review. I think I'm going to do a solo review on this because um, a lot of people don't have this film, so um, it's kind of hard to review it with if you don't know it or have it. So yeah, I think I'm going to knock this one out myself. All right, uh, production notes. Straddling the end of 1981 and the beginning of 1982 are three films in which deposit numbers were obtained simultaneously. Uh, Intimate Confessions of an Exhibitionist, uh, Black Boots and Leather Whips, and Sinister Dr. Orloff. It's fair to assume that they were shot together, and the presence of Christmas tinsel in the first two stories suggests a December-January schedule. A December through January schedule. That's cool. So they shot these back-to-back, all three. That's that's kind of the way to do it if you can knock it out. <clears throat> okay, so review by Stephen Thor. Uh, Confessions in Tomas de Una Exhibitionist is a slight, wispy affair with a gentle, downbeat atmosphere about a woman's search for love in a deep-populated seaside resort. It begins as a fairly straightforward, soft-core sex film with lots of close-ups of Romay's vagina as she lounges around fingering herself and telling us about her habit of spying on her sister's lovemaking. Yet, despite the initial mundanity, it's not long before the mesmeric Franco atmosphere, his secret ingredient, emerges like a subtle vapor from the proceedings. Our narrator, Candy, is a self-destructive lost soul, spreading herself wide open for men, and especially women, yet never really receiving the love that she needs. Even when she finds affection, she relinquishes again, concentrating on sex until romantic yearnings dissipate. Halfway through, sadness almost swallows the film as Candy considers suicide, standing on a high wall overlooking the rocky coastline. Her savior, a passerby called Katie, played by sultry beauty Elisa Vela, a.k.a. Jasmina Bell, has an open relationship. Her savior, a passerby called Katie, um has an open relationship with equally sexy husband, Tony, so the couple take poor Candy into their lives for a healing menage a trois. However, a jarring melodramatic twist, reminiscent of the gothic romances parodied by the Marquis de Sade's Justine, triggers a last-minute lurch into darkness. Candy returns from shopping one day to find her vivacious new friend has committed suicide. Totally distraught, she strips off her clothes and frantically mounts Katie's corpse, rubbing her pussy against the dead body in an effort to revive her friend. It's a remarkable scene, depicting an act of necrophilia born of grief and loneliness, rather than the desire for total control over a lifeless object. I found it genuinely moving, more akin to Last Tango in Paris than a cheap throwaway sex film. Finally, as if Recoiling from the darkness, the film ends on a curious Brechtian gesture. The entire cast, all six of them, line up nude and take a bow to the camera, intercut with Candy's nightclub audience applauding. Once again, as in La Noche de los Sexos Abrotes and Shining Sex, Franco intercuts a scene clearly filmed in a hotel room with another scene, scene shot in a nightclub and asks us to believe the two spaces are congruous. Well, yeah, he always does that. He shoots the uh, people on the stage and then the crowd watching is always two separate rooms. He's done that all the way back to Nightmares Come at Night, even though Thrower thinks it's more modern. Um, the weakness of this film is its lack of detail. The narrative is so underdeveloped that when the time comes for a dramatic climax, there isn't enough material to make it stand up. Katie's depression and suicide come hurtling out of nowhere. We've seen nothing to suggest that she's unstable. In fact, quite the opposite. Her suicide happens immediately after the S&M stage show, in which she was bound to a St. Andrew's cross and mock-tortured by Candy, but there's no in- indication of a casual link. Neither the acting nor the dialogue point to it, so we're left floundering for the explanations. The film gives every sign of having been shot with a minimal script, mostly improvised for the camera, and then assembled into a rough chronological... into into a rough chronologically 
with the voiceover added later to smooth over the cracks. This is given away with a shot of Candy's knickers on the washing line as Katie's balcony inspires a cluckingly literal monologue about the panties waving like flags of surrender. While the metaphor itself is amusing, the placement has the hallmark of an afterthought. Something... Where are we at here? Um, sorry. Something which propped into Franco's mind as the film was being dubbed. Elsewhere, we see lips moving without dialogue, which suggests that Franco simply forgot what the actors were saying at the point and decided not to bother writing new dialogue. My guess is that he simply lost interest in this film before completion. Like the contents of an artist's notepad, where some drawings are rendered in detail while others are half-finished in a sea of blank paper. Franco's films vary both in thematic density and directorial care. His manic speed can serve the subject, bringing it life bring it to life with crude vitality, or it could leave a film beached and gasping on the sands of authorial disinterest. In Confessions, Intimista Una Expicionist, there's enough to make you wish that Jess had dwelt longer on the details, but not enough to make the sketch a worthy partner to the painting it could have been. Direction of Confessions, I'll just call it a short title, uh, Direction of Intimate Confessions of an Exhibitionist, is credited to Candy Coster, a.k.a. Lena Romay. Romay was becoming more active in the production of Franco's films in the 1980s, and as budget shrank, those in front of the camera took on other roles behind it. It must be said, however, that the style here feels very much of a piece with Franco's own. Romay's directorial credit was essentially a kind of a gift from Franco. For the purposes of this book, and after a consultation with co-star Antonio Mayans, I have decided to consider this purely and simply a Jess Franco film. But that's not without remembering that Franco's work could be considered the outgrowth of his close partnership with Rome. Confessions is a minor film in the Franco canon, but it is still has, but it still has value to the aficionado. The gauzy melancholy, the intimate minimalism, which I like, the comfortingly familiar locations, which I like, the smoky, sensual score, of course, uh, those gossamer things provide just enough stimulus if you crave the Franco magic, a little something to tide you over to the next big hit, amen. All right, Franco on screen. Uh, Franco does not appear in the film, but he dubs Antonio Riballo's character. So there you go. Music, the seductively twinkling title theme, is called Atlantide Story and can be found on the Daniel White LP, Mystery Beauty. Locations. Once again, we visit La Manza, La Manzanera and La Morala Roja and Calape, Spain. The amazing modernist apartment complex, first seen in She Killed in Ecstasy, and Countess Perverse. Also, we saw it at the uh, last couple of films we watched, um, Night of Open Sex. There's the end of it in that note, too. Uh, let's see. The Pinon de Effect rock formation is also visible. Numerous scenes, shots of the audience supposedly watching Lena's stage were gathered at a Torre Molinos nightclub called Pipers. See also in the Noche de la... Uh, okay. Um, Night of Open Sex. Uh, connections. <clears throat> Numerous elements in Confessions... <coughs> of an exhibitionist. Uh, the necrophiliac sex scene, the lead character's suicide attempt, the predominance of female masturbation scenes, the suicide of a significant other, and the overall structure of a woman mentally reviewing her life resemble Franco's 1975 film, Juliet to 69. The S&M stage show, with its male and female victims spread eagled on cr crosses, echoes succubus, and exorcism. Uh, the sadness and confessional tone bring to mind Sinner, Diary of a Nymphomaniac, 72. Although the earlier film is a lot more detailed in both scripting and execution, there is also a strong link to Nightmares Come at Night, 
1969, with both films built around the voiceover memories of a lesbian sex club performer. Which, that's what I mentioned. Uh, some shots of the audience watching Candy's stage show are derived from the same nightclub footage Franco collected for uh, Night of Open Sex, although the shots are not exactly the same. Some of the same faces can be spotted in the crowd, dressed identically in both films. So, yeah, a little less write-up on uh, this film from Stephen Thrower. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is really not available yet on Blu-ray or DVD. I have a uh, DVD-R from the Spanish VHS, uh, Confessiones Intimus de Una Exhibitionist. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's from it's from the King Home Video, which they mentioned here was uh, 84 minutes, 43 seconds. But I think this is about 82 minutes or something. So, All right, so I will knock that out and watch that and uh, tell you what I think about it, but I think it should be pretty good. Um, oh, yeah, also, too, the uh, usual spiel. If you dig the show, please subscribe. Uh, also, you can... Uh, download the episodes please do and if you like it like i said please subscribe it helps build the numbers it's always delivered every wednesday morning 1 a.m west coast time if you dig the show and if you want to tune people into just franco we got more than 100 episodes now everyone is titled with the film title so it's for quick easy navigation you say hey i want to look up linda or i want to look up vampiros lesbos or uh, Shining Sex, you can just go right to it and you have uh, almost like a DVD commentary track you can also play along with or before or listen to after. So it's a companion piece to all that. So that's the goal is to do every Franco film that's out there. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can. Please do so at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. That's FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Uh, you can also find us, our Franco Observer podcast pages on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, we have a donation button there on the Red Circle page. If you feel free to donate, please do so. Either one-time donation or uh, reoccurring is greatly appreciated because money is tight, I know. And uh do all this just for the love of Franco, but anybody that wants to tip me or give me any kind of money for this if they appreciate it i would always gladly accept so all right that's the way of just franco as well you know people want to give you money to do your art please please it always helps so alrighty, well hang out past the bumper music and i'll t- and i'll watch and give you my review and my thoughts on the intimate confessions of an exhibitionist so Sounds like something that might be pretty interesting to watch. Well, I'll tell you what I think. Buenas noches, maha. Hey, all right, we are back with episode 107, film 107. Uh, Intimate... Confessions of an Exhibitionist. Uh, Confessionis Intimas de una Exhibitionista. Um, I got a DVD-R copy of this and uh, watched that. Um, I guess on some of the torrent sites, which I don't really do because I'm not too familiar about how to do that stuff, to be totally honest with you, but... uh, friend of mine was going to do it, but they couldn't get a copy of uh, said film, so I went ahead and trudged this alone, because uh, if I was to upload it, my upload time is uh, 0.01 megabytes per second, so that's like really slow. When I uploaded um, Lady Hyde for Film Hub, that was like uh, huge files, like 93 gig, and that literally took like 10 days, so... The uh, 5 gig would take like, I don't know, a couple days. So, anyway, but enough about that. So, yeah, this is uh, Intimate Confessions of an Exhibitionist. And, you know, reading Stephen Thrower's write-up about it, which sounds like a broken record by now, whenever he kind of talks down something or says it's okay, I actually really end up liking it a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I really dug this film. Um, 
like I'd say in many episodes, Franco has a lot of different styles of filmmaking, different genres he he uh, he swims in, you know, different pools of films, say horror, uh, very dreamlike films, um, hard-boiled films, detective stories, um, comedies, you know, different stuff. Uh, this is more of the psychological kind of sex film, which I really like this style a lot. Um, kind of he does it earlier with, like, say, um, Sexy Sisters or... Um, uh, kind of well, Desclavin. That's more of a, um, but definitely with uh, D D Marquis de Sa uh, Von Saad with Lena and her twin sister or her sister that has that mental uh, deal as her, and um, like uh, what else? Let me think. We'll go through a list here of stuff I've done. Oh, like the other side of the mirror, kind of, and of course a little bit like Virgin Among Living Dead because it's the psychological horror. Um. And then with, like, say, uh, Nightmares Come at Night, definitely this reminded me of a little bit. And um, Cries of Pleasure, which I like a lot, has some of the same actors as Cries of Pleasure. Uh, was it Germinos de Placer? Um, and uh, let's see what else we got here. Soho, kind of going through past episodes. Um, and then, of course, later on. And it's got a little bit of that uh, sex film of, like, Lea Branelli's uh, Sinner. Um, and then uh, maybe a little midnight party, maybe a little, uh, of course, a little succubus you see at the end with the stage show. But yeah, anyway, so that's, and at least Fontaut, and I actually a little bit like Iburn everywhere, uh, a little bit like... uh, um, Sinfonia erotica in a little bit, you know, so that, that type of feeling, uh, erotismo, pick up girls a little bit, uh, definitely not like, um, you know, Macumba Sexual or Vampiros Lesbos or definitely not like Dr. Z or any of that style. So, but yeah, this is kind of the psychological, uh, voiceover type of, um, uh, episodes or narrative um, kind of structure. So yeah, it's a very thin structure, but um, I'll go ahead and read the synopsis kind of um, by Stephen Thrower, and then I'll go through my notes since it's just solo here. All right, so actually I'll go through synopsis, and then I'll just narrate as I go through and break it that way. Uh, Synopsis. Uh, Kenny performs a strip show at a small Spanish nightclub. As she gyrates, she thinks back over her life. She recalls being sexually excited during her teenage years when she saw her sister Peppy making love with her husband. More recently, she has suffered from depression after falling in love with her therapist Peter, who turned out to be gay. While standing on a stone parapet, intending to jump onto the rocky shores below, she meets a sultry brunette called Katie, who intervenes to prevent her taking her life. So I'm going to stop right there. Okay, so before all that, that's quite a bit, actually. So, um, before all that, this film starts with jazz, and that opening scene, which he talks about. And this film really, 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 in my opinion, showcases Lena's eyes, probably the best of any film. I, I fell in love with her eyes in this film so much. I mean, I've always dug her eyes. She's very expressionistic, but in this... She uses her eyes for so many different emotions, so many different styles, for an alluring, for a seductiveness, innocence. Uh, she's so magnificent with her eyes. And, of course, her tongue, her magic tongue, which I make a list and talk about every episode. And this, she references it as her velvet tongue. And it's something she's known for as her velvet tongue as part of her stage routine. So I took an extra uh, chuckle at that because it's like magic tongues, one of the main stars in the film. Um, and then opening sex act, her first stage show, which of course is on the list of sex or a strip show on stage. Uh, we see the same crowd as uh, night of open sex, that, that club, uh, they filmed at, and you see it in, I guess a few other films coming up. That was, um, Franco shot some of the crowd reactions, uh, during that one filming and then used pieces of it, um, different pieces over different films. Um, in greater sizes and uh, scenes. This one's only just about a few times. 
Uh, so yeah, you see that. And of course, reference. So her stage show number one, it's a big stage show. It's basically her uh, masturbating in the beginning, and she's rubbing rubbing herself over a guy who's like handcuffed to like uh, these poles, and he's sleeping or dead or something. And as she rubs herself, um, she climbs on top of the guy, and uh, her opening monologue is really good. And uh, the way she talks about, it, she says, "Some people think this is porno, but I think it's sex, and I really get off on it. And and I really and I do this twice a day. And some people say it's fake, but I think it's real. And and I I gyrate, and I really do get into it, and I do this and that. And, and it was almost like she was describing being a pro wrestler or being a an actor or something. Where to her, it's real, and she really does it. And she's she really does get hurt, and she goes through the emotions and everything." And people, or or as an actress, and people think it's it's fake or phony, but it's real, but it's very real because she really gives all of herself into it. And uh, the monologues and the voiceovers in this are really good. Actually, I like a lot of the dialogue and uh, internal stuff that's going on with the character with her. Um, and uh, it's it's a good way of of pushing the story forward having a different kind of a voiceover so it's it was very cool i actually learned a little bit from watching that um so yeah and there's really great shots too in that opening uh first sex show on stage i i uh really liked it i put great shots it's, it's, the setup's really nice um for very good lighting very good camera movement uh franco this this film he's getting into his groove again after doing uh what was it oasis so they did was it the last film that he did yeah so he does uh this right after oasis of the dead or oasis of the zombies. Well, you know, that's like, woof. he's like, okay, now I got to get back to doing my stuff. So he does that with this. He's jumping back in like both feet. Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah. So then Lena, like we talked about here earlier, how she talked about how when she was a teenager, which is teenager, it's her present day. So it, she doesn't make herself look younger but by making herself look younger she's basically drinking a glass of milk to show that she's younger which is funny she still has the same wig and everything but there's a really cool shot of lena sitting there in a chair and she's drinking a glass of milk and she's uh sitting in another room and the doorway is open and you see uh from her pov or over her shoulder shot of her looking into the other room through the doorway where she's sitting and seeing her sister and her sister's boyfriend having sex. And I guess she was a virgin before that, or, or they imply that, and basically that was her first time. So she watches her sister and, and the guy having sex, and then she masturbates to it, and it shows her dipping her fingers in her milk and masturbating with with it. And it's funny, I'd written um, uh, that in 18 minutes, there's already four masturbation scenes. There was... Um, the masturbation scene in the beginning, the stage show, we have... Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. This is only the second one by this time. This is the second one. Um, and then... Uh, so, basically, she watches the sex scene with her sister. And uh, let's see what I got written down here. I got... Um, Sony Lisa watches in the past and drinks milk. Oh, yeah. And then I have masturbation with C item, cream. <laughs> so, yeah, so she uses cream to masturbate with. Um, it's also the same song that was in uh, Eugenie, uh, History of Her Perversion, the kind of the almost the Miss America theme. That one. But anyway, so, um, yeah, and then actually it's kind of a graphic scene. Uh, you see the sister start to blow her boyfriend, and it's funny. You see there's quite a few blowjob scenes in this film, and you see it for like two seconds but what's really cool is a lot of the times it's framed where the girl's the guy's penis is just below the bottom frame of the shot so you see the girl's head going down but then you don't see anything happening but you know what's going on and you just don't see it and the head goes back up and it's just it's so close where you're you see the top of the girl's head and everything it's it's really well shot and it gave me some ideas of well you can also shoot a sex film and not be graphic and show just a little bit like that almost like a um like um, Lars von Trier did later, almost. It was very interesting. I thought it was kind of cool how he shot that. So it was a lot of sex in it, but it, it wasn't entirely. I mean, there's graphic, but not craziness. So it would be X, but not triple X, definitely. Not that there's any difference, but it's still it's but in in a in a um, raunch factor or in a uh, you know graphicness factor. It's definitely softer. It's more 
setups and not showing the graphic inserts. Definitely no uh, insertion shots, but you see grinding and other things, nakedness and things, and where they're having sex, but you just see on top and from the front and side. So it's it's really well done. It's I think they were really having sex in that in that scene especially, um, uh, and then later on too. But uh, yeah, definitely there's sex real sex scenes going on, but they're not they're shot differently. Um, so then her, uh, after the flashback of her singer sister, um, there's a, we go to a second stage show of where, um, she's, uh, having more flashback with her sister, Pepe, where then now this time she's, uh, well, she's masturbating again. So this is the third masturbation scene. Well, actually, you know, she's on stage masturbating. So that's three. And then she's mas- in the flashback scene. She's masturbating, watching her sister and her sister's boyfriend again. So that's a fourth time. So I wrote, "Wow!" For eighteen minutes into the film, we've already had four masturbation scenes, all by Lena, actually. So that was interesting. Uh, yeah, and this was the scene with the blowjobs just out of frame, which I, I thought was pretty well done. So Lena's sister knows that she's watching and invites Lena into the room, and then her and her sister have sex with the boyfriend. And Lena now has a attraction to her sister where she has a problem where she doesn't know if she can ever have a relationship because she's attracted to her sister and she has this kind of bond with her. And anytime she comes or has anything like that, it's always because of the connection with her sister in the same room. So she don't know if she can do it with another man or, or whatever. So that's always her problem in this film. Um, so she, uh, uh, so she has this problem, and then she goes out, swims out to this island, and she meets this sex therapist, this doctor she really likes a lot, and it's played by Antonio Mayans, and uh, she tells him, him her problem about her sister and the traction and all that stuff, so he says, okay, you can stay here, and, uh, you know, we'll see if I can try to help you or whatever. So she stays there a couple of days, and she's nude, sandbathing, and almost throwing herself at him and stuff, and he's always just, okay, this is part of the thing. And then one time he's writing and she's laying on the bed and she says, I exhibited myself for him. And she's laying on her bed writhing. And it's cool. He shoots it through these like uh, door beads hanging down. And it's almost the cage shot where it's the, the, the barrier between him and her. He can't get to her because as she finds out, he rejects her and says, you, you don't need to exhibit yourself like this. It's not going to work. And she goes near the room and cries and goes outside. And he says, well, I'm... I'm a homosexual, so um, you know, doing that won't won't, won't help. So, uh, and then she th- says that she's so upset that she threw herself at him for nothing and everything. And so we see more of her voiceover, or we hear through her voiceover and the actions that she's having this sexual hang up with her sister and the problem. And she finally thought she found a man that listened to her and cared about her, but then he ended up being gay, and so she ran away from that. So then we go to a stage show three, which is a red light scene, and it's uh, almost a red orange light. It's very reminiscent of um, Nightmares Come at Night. It's a shot, kind of um, interesting like that. And uh, but of course with Lena, it's very graphic. She's got her legs open right at the camera, and she's fingering herself, and you basically see all Lena. And uh, but it's uh, the way the room is, the setting, and the course of the different crowd shot. Not the same room, but the same crowd as before. And then we see her on the stage, and she's writhing around with the orange light, orange red light. And she's got a dildo by now. And she's talking about how she's um, funny, liking it, and that. So then this is the part where she uh, decides to uh, kill herself. So she's going to jump, and then she's saved at last by this girl, Katie, who she runs into. And uh, we see Lena, of course, wearing her same short shorts she's worn in the last few films. The jeans one I always mention. This was the Jess Franco short, short, cut-off short jeans period of his films where Lena, or one of the main girls, always wears short, cut-off shorts. Uh, yeah, maybe repetitive with the word. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the jean shorts. Uh, but this girl's Katie is awesome. Uh, she, to me, was a revelation uh, I'm a big um, Kali Hansa fan, and she's kind of got that Kali Hansa vibe. She's very tall, very lean, uh, beautiful boobs, great abs, um, great just great body, very tan, um, beautiful nipples, great ass, great eyes, great cheeks. Every part of her body is just perfect. Um, yeah, she's almost got like a Spanish kind of a um, vibe to her. Um, but yeah, this is she's played by um, Elisa. 
Vela as Jasmina Bell. She plays the role of Katie. And uh, that gal, which I really was struck by her, as I mentioned, uh, like she's in Cries of Pleasure. Um, and I really like that film a lot. And I really like her a lot. And basically in that film, it's awesome. It's the same. Uh, Jimidos de Placer, um, Cries of Pleasure. And that's got basically the same three people. Lisa, uh, Lina Romay, uh, Elisa Vela, and uh, Antonio Mayans. And they basically uh, try to... Um, kill Antonio Mayans through sex. They basically try to fuck him to death, so it's pretty cool. But in this one, these two basically try to fuck each other to death, and uh, she's amazing. Um, you almost see Lena when she first has a sex scene with her. She's almost like kind of in awe of her. You see her look at her like, wow. You can tell she's kind of like, okay, let's see how I'm going to do this. It's almost like almost like a wrestler or a boxer. It's like a great opponent. She's like, okay, let's see. How am I going to start with her? How, which which is going to be my first move, and and uh, she she does all of her greatest hits, does the whole tongue ballet, and sucks on her tongue, and sucks her boobs fifty ways a Sunday, and it's it's crazy. So but anyway, so uh, yeah, so she uh, she goes and has seduces her. Rest. Let's go back to now the synopsis. Intending to jump onto the rocky shore below, she meets a sultry blonde called Katie, who intervenes to prevent her taking her life. Candy finds happiness for a while as her lover. When Katie's husband, Tony, finds out about the liaison, he takes it on stride, admitting that he'd always wanted to see his wife make love with another woman. The three of them make love together. One day, Katie suggests to Candy that she should join her in the nightclub sex show. Candy agrees, and the two of them are quite a hit together. Always looking for more pleasure, Candy suggests hooking up with her sister and brother-in-law. She draws them into her sex shows and including an S&M spectacle in which she tortures Katie and the Argentinian before seducing the former and killing the latter. However, it turns out that Katie is depressed, feeling left out of Candy's affections and crowded by the others. She commits suicide. Candy is inconsolable and tries to revive her using the only power she knows. And we'll get to that in just a second. That we all know Lena's power. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so she meets Katie, and, uh, Katie saves her from jumping, and Lena's wearing her cutoffs and her black cowboy boots again, with the red shirt, she's wore that before. Uh, so 35 minutes in, like I say, Lena attempts, uh, oh yeah, by the way, this film's like 81 minutes, so, about 35 minutes in, about halfway through, Lena attempts to jump, saved by Katie, and they have a, uh, we have that soft sax organ song again, and, uh, we have a nice outside glass shot reflection used in most shots of film which is one of my favorites um where it's uh from outside shooting at glass and you see the reflection of the waves behind the cameraman and the glass and you still see the person on the other side of the glass and then one person of like a half kind of a visage and then one person will step in front of the glass and one will be behind and you have that difference and then the two will join and silhouettes and just looks amazing really great shot really easy to do too and adds a lot of class to your film um yeah, it was really great. And they have the silhouette shot. I wrote, wow, it's really good. And uh, yeah, so she was giving the Kali Hans a vibe in this film. Um, so we have Lena. So then her husband comes in and sees. And uh, Lena has sex with Katie's husband. And uh, they have this really cool like moaning sound effect echoing in that. Uh, a lot of that for the voiceover type stuff. Uh, then we have masturb- Katie masturbates to it. And then we have uh, Lena uh, tongue. Uh, oh yeah, this is by fair part. So a fair part of the film. Lena's outside, so her and her and Lena break away and basically do their own thing, and they have sex all over the place in this island. It's shot, shot outside against a beautiful backdrop of this like great looking rock and the set, the waves and everything. And uh, Lena starts tonguing her, and then she moves her tongue all the way down her body, and then she starts tonguing her nipple. And Franco pulls focus and switches from the Lena's tongue in the nipple, and then pulls focus to the uh, waves and stuff behind and then it pulls focus back again to Lena sucking on the nipple and it's like such a beautiful technical thing with just a sex shot Lena keeps the tongue move the whole time and then he you see her like stop and then keep going and then he pulls focus back and he tells she knows when the focus was pulled and she stops And but it's it's a really fucking cool scene one of my favorite Franco scenes in all of his films so definitely really awesome that's probably about 40 something minutes in um, so, uh, so Tony, so after, after Tony finds out that Hernley is basically getting on too much, he leaves and, 
her and Candy go and they have two shows a day. They start doing sex shows. So then we see the stage scene number four with Katie and her. And basically, uh, Lena uses her tongue and eyes so much in this film. This film really emphasizes her magic tongue and her eyes amazingly. Uh, we have the silhouettes against the window. The sea of rocks amazing. Uh, Lena comes home, finding Katie sleeping, and she basically rubs her awake and, and uh, then has oral sex and, fr- and then wakes her up by kissing her. Uh, they have a stage scene five, which is the same as three and four, basically, with Katie. And Lena thinks of uh, doing a show with Katie and then her sister and her boyfriend. She keeps wanting to expand it because she's kind of in the same routine with Katie. Now she wants to try to link it back with her sister to see if she can try to break that. And then Katie and uh, her go to see her sister, Peppy, and she goes, oh, just give me one kiss. And I laugh because Lena gives her one kiss, and it turns into a big tongue kiss. Then Lena runs her tongue down her body and starts uh, giving her sister oral, and Katie jumps in, and they start having sex. And there's this big threesome scene. And um, I wrote that they have the blue rug from uh, Night of Open Sex. I noticed the film before uh, Night of the Zombies that we see in Night of Open Sex when they're stripping on the floor, that, that blue carpet. So they have the threesome with the three girls. Really well shot. Amazing scene um, on the carpet. And then uh, stage show six is when they talk about the chained up on the uh, the X crosses. Um, and then stabs Katie with the... And then the cuts man's pen. It's like a whole fake routine. I don't know. But Lena's wearing the silver jacket from Blue Rita, I noticed. And the silver jacket's used in a few films after that. But definitely Blue Rita is the one that caught my eye. Uh, let's see. And then Candy kills herself. Leaves a note. And uh, Lena cries and strips and then kisses and tries to hump Katie's dead body, trying to bring her back to life. And that made me go, sexual healing. And that gave me the theme of this film is, should have been sexual healing by Marvin Gaye. I listened to sexual healing right after this film about three times in a row. And I was like, yeah, that's what this film is about. Because Lena's having the problem with her, about her sister and her hang-ups and her psychological all the problems into her healing herself through sex is the only thing that she does so she basically just keeps trying to have sex and uh to make herself feel better so then when katie dies she tries to kiss her body and and starts humping her body like she's trying to fuck her back to life like she's trying to give her cpr you know but with sex it's almost like a that maybe goes sexual healing she tries to heal her through sex and she's unsuccessful and uh, then it cuts to all the cast or it comes to the end theme, the da, 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 the the from Girls Copacabana theme, whatever, um, and it has all the male and female cast members of the film all on stage, completely naked, uh, all holding hands and taking a bow, taking two or three bows to the crowd from that club scene again, and then we have Antonio Mayans and Lena and everybody, uh, Jasmine Bell, and everybody on stage, the sister and, and the Argentina and everybody, so they're all seven of them, whatever. Uh, on stage, they take naked, take a bow, and then it says Finn, the end. And, uh, yeah, that was that was that film. Um, it's a very thin story. It's more just episodes and Lena's strip show. And how, how Night of Open Sex was very lean. This is is leaner, actually, than Night of Open Sex. Uh, so it's, it's less of a story where it's just Lena do the voiceover, talk about her hang-ups, and then a great sex scene, and then another great sex scene and then how she's going to try to deal with this and then a sex scene and then just it's almost just like uh following her diaries kind of a episodic kind of a thing with people coming in and out of her life and and uh if it went any longer i'm curious if she would have killed herself or what so it's kind of interesting how it ends that way so leaves it open to interpretation but yeah it's very close to center diary of a nymphomaniac and uh something like that you know where it's and and uh little bit of uh, other side of the mirror and stuff where it's very psychological and uh yeah so that was my uh take on this film um i really did like it a lot um it's not one of my like top 20 but it's it's definitely my top 25 um it's it's snuck in there it's something that i definitely would probably watch again put on the background and uh dig it um like i said it, it fits that genre that i do like of his films um this is one of the many styles that he's done that I dig. So yeah, I'd say it's definitely, uh, something that I would recommend. And if people like this style of his film, they would definitely like this film. Um, like I said, it's on DVD R it's not out through Severin or Vendrick or syndrome or, 
or Wanda Macabro or, or uh, Redemption or Kino Lorbor or anything like that uh, yet. Um, it's got a lot of sex in it. I would see this maybe going through Vinegar Syndrome or maybe Mondo Macabro more than Severin, but who knows, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't see any problem with it with uh, nobody underage or nothing too crazy. Um, sex scenes, like I said, have, you know, it's... Macumba Sexual is similar in sex scenes. This is maybe a little bit stronger, but this is more like a, a sex film, almost like a porn, but without the graphic stuff. So... Yeah, it's borderline for Severin, so I'd say more Vinegar Syndrome, possibly, and uh, release it for 18 and over. But yeah, it's, it's, it definitely could, could come out. So, And I, I would welcome a release of this, and I would definitely buy it on Blu-ray, um, of course, if it came out. So uh, It's one of the nice things about having these DVDRs. Um, you can still see the film, and still you will buy the product when it's official. So uh, let me hit the Franco list real quick before I let you go for the day. And let's go over what the film had and what it didn't have. Uh, one, Body of Water. Yeah, it took a little while for Body of Water. Definitely not right off the bat. Oh, yeah, too. Let me talk about uh, something I skipped over. First nudity in this, of course, is uh, about one minute in. And it's uh, uh, Lena, of course. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so, number one, Body of Water. Yeah, it took a little while, while for that to show up. Same with number two and three, Sailboat and Boats. Yeah, you don't see them till like, way later when her and Katie are together, like, almost halfway through the film. Uh, number four, Palm Trees. Yeah, uh, we have um, Palm Trees in the film, definitely. Uh, five, Jungle Sound Effects. Not jungle, but we have uh, weird moaning with, like, echoing and stuff, where it's almost like a weird, so it's definitely a, a sound effect, but not jungle, but more of a moaning and weird stuff with the vocal stuff. Six, chained up person. Yeah, you have the guy chained up in the beginning in the sex scene. You have the two, the man and woman chained up to the crosses in the end um, stage scene. And uh, yeah, those two. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage. Stripping. Yeah, like I said, there's like six or seven. This, this, this whole film's about. Eight, club scenes, dancing, bar. Uh, no dancing in a bar, but you have the, the, the club of the people watching, you know. Uh, the strip scene, so it's half point. Uh, number nine, jazz music. Yeah, it's got a lot of good, great jazz, cool stuff. That's the predominant music on this. Uh, number ten, excessive zooms. Number eleven, out of focus shots. Yeah, quite a few excessive zooms on this. He was really zooming in on all the sex stuff. Out of focus uh, a few times, but the more are when they counted, so uh, they were done for a reason. But yeah, the cam works nice and tight on this. Uh, 12 mirror shots just one uh, didn't mean anything uh, you see it in a room when somebody's coming into a doorway but nothing major uh, 13 mind control theme uh, the only thing is the mind control maybe Lena had like a, a psychosis that she was going through her mental stuff not a mind control but it was a very psychological film you know uh, 14 magic tongue scenes oh yeah tons of magic tongue that's all I've talked about so this film is she even mentions the velvet tongue she's known as the velvet tongue so uh, 15 red light scene yeah in the strip scenes uh, number 3 and 4 I guess and 5 uh, number 16 sheepskin rug none of that uh, 16b masturbation with a c I, with a letter c item yeah c for cream so she masturbates with cream in, uh, she's watching her sister and brother in law. Uh, 17, mad scientist and servant. No. 18, fish tank shots. No. 19, talking parrot. No. 20, in credits. Yes or no. Yes, it says Finn. 21, handwritten notes. No handwritten signs. I mean, there's a note that she gives her at the end for suicide, but I don't count that. But there's no cheesy, like, signs in the doorway or anything for businesses that says enter with arrows or nothing cheesy. Uh, number 22, Spiral Staircase. Didn't catch any of this. Uh, uh, might be outside the house, but I, nothing major. Uh, 23, what we got here? Um, Inept Cops. No, didn't show up in this. 24, Belly Chains. No. 25, Kinks. Well, there's the Necrophilia. There's Cuckold. There's inc Brother. Or there's uh, Sister and Sister. The Incest. There's... Uh, 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 voyeurism, there's uh, nymphomaniac, there's so much stuff on this. Uh, 26 great headboards. Uh, I didn't really look too much. Uh, 
Nothing caught my eye. All the sex was on stage. The beds were regular. Yeah, I didn't get nothing crazy on headboards. Uh, 27, fear or desire. Uh, well, it isn't fear of life, but I'd say desire, of course. 28, acoustic guitar player. No, nothing on this one. 29, reading a book scene. Yeah, the doctor reads a quote from a book to Lena that he's obsessed with about... Uh, about um, society or life or something. He's like, oh yeah, and it's, I think it's something from his book. He says, oh, it's not a bestseller. That's why people haven't heard about it. And and uh, but yeah, so anyway, so he reads a part of the book to Lena. So, alrighty, I get this pain in my chest here. The last couple of days. I hope it's not anything bad. It's, at least I'm putting this down on tape now. But uh, yeah, right side of my body. It's weird. Um, all right, so yeah, that was my uh, view of. Uh, intimate confessions of an exhibitionist. Also, too, this last week here, uh, of course, you know I broadcast out of Sacramento, California, and it's been like 100, I'm sure if you've watched the news in the United States or I don't know about worldwide, but uh, Sacramento, California has been, uh, we've had 32 days over 100 degrees this year, and we've broken all these records, and of all the states in the West, especially we, we were the hottest and the hottest area in the West besides like Arizona and Death Valley and all that. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been really crazy hot here. And it's kind of done a little damage on me with the heat and everything. So I just had my car done and had a lot of stress. So that could be a lot, going through a lot of that's bullshit. So sometimes that's in life, you know. Um, like with this film, you know, Lena's went through all her stuff and she had escaped through sex and uh, just sex, 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 sex. But... I unfortunately don't have that escape. My escape is, uh, I don't know, editing and uh, writing and I guess doing my podcast and doing my art. That's that's my escape. So whatever your escape is, uh, I hope you all find your escape and your return to society in order to live our lives that we must live and make the money we must make. Um, this episode's going to drop or debut here at the end of September. Uh, when this debuts, I will be in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, having a grand old time with a reunion of fellow ex-wrestlers and friends. And I will also be filming some second unit pickup shots for Emmanuel and Sin City in beautiful downtown old Las Vegas. So, alrighty, I hope you all are doing well. And I will see you in October for the next episode, which will be 108 Film 108, Black Boots and Leather Whips. Sounds like a fun time. Arrivederci. Buenas noches, maha. (laughs) 